You're listening to the 21 Gun Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Sullivan. This is actually the audio-only version of the video podcast that we do live every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you want to catch the first half of the show, which is kind of just Jeremy and I going over announcements for Reverend Warriors. Sometimes we watch viral videos. Uh, we talk about whatever news is going around in the military or in the uh, veteran world. Head over to 21gun. You got to spell that out. 21gun.net. And then you'll see the Facebook. You'll see all my links on there. But if you just hit any of the social media links, it's going to take you to the archives of all the uh, the video episodes that we do. Tonight's guest is Jeremy Walton. You might know him as a producer for the 21 Gun Podcast. He had an interesting story about how he served with the Marine Corps and with the U.S. Army, and I figured, why not? Let's turn the camera on him or the microphone on him and get his backstory. So, great discussion with Jeremy. Um, he speaks a lot about the Great things that Irreverent Warriors does for veterans and did for him. So uh, I, I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, Jeremy Walton. Speaking of Marines, what time is it? Oh, it's 8.31. we got to bring on our guest. Uh, let me bring on our guest. Hold on. He's going to be calling in here in a second. got to switch over to StreamYard. Okay. Okay, let's see. Hey, are you here? Are you here, buddy? Hello? I don't know. He doesn't seem to be there. Let me uh, let me do some adjusting here. Make sure I'll text him to see if he's there. How do I do the... Now, guys, I'm running the camera here. See? there's There's me. And look, hey, look, it's our guest. He just called in. That's pretty surprise, cool. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to pull up. Oh, dude, I'm messing up all the cameras here. Oh, no, you can't. No, that doesn't work. How do I shut off this camera? Uh, can I do anything about that one? Yes, just, German? Just, just hit stop cam. Oh, oh, I see. Hold on. I'll just go like this. Stop cam. There we go. Boom. There. So, Jeremy, you are a Californian. Tell me Unfortunately. What it, tell me what it was like to grow up in California, I assume, in the 90s? 80s and 90s, yeah. Okay. Born and raised 14 years. Um, you know, Southern California, anywhere from Sierra Madre down to San Diego. So you moved a lot? Yeah. Mom was a very, very young teen having twins. Oh, really? So 14 <laughs> having twins. So Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. She... Uh, she learned her lesson the first time. Yeah, I guess so. It's not even with one. It's two. No, she didn't learn her lesson because then we had a little brother and a little sister. So, holy, was she living with her parents or? Uh, so I have an aunt and uncle who okay. uh, live out in California. They are considered my aunt and uncle, um, just because of um, you know they're I've known them since I was knee high to a grasshopper. So they've basically raised me. They took my mom and us in and basically helped raise us. That's crazy. I had no idea. I um, California is as foreign to me as London, England, right? It's, it's just as far. The culture is just as different from where I grew yep. up. I know, no, I mean, I really, I've been there a few times, but, uh, I only know the, uh, what, what would you call that? The tourist version of California. Oh, yeah. I don't quite understand the, were you like into skating, skateboarding? Oh, and all I that was stuff? a big skateboarder, surfer. Nice. I mean, you name it. I was started snowboarding as a kid. If, if I could get out and be on something that rolled on wheels that I couldn't crash and go to jail for, I would do it. Would, would you consider it a good place to grow up? Um, back then, yeah. Uh, not to get crazy into it, but now I would not go back there to save my life. 
yeah, yeah, things are, everyone's fleeing that state, which is unfortunate. There's so much going on. I mean, the prices have gone up, and I mean, some of the people can be nice, but. And Elon Musk, my best friend, is now in uh, Texas. Mm -hmm. Texas. Texas seems to be the place to go. I know. Except during winter. That's right. That's right. Uh, what were you like in high school? Like, were you a punk? Were you a jock? So, were you a. Interestingly enough. Um, did I, you, you had frosted hair, didn't you? So I had natural dirty blonde or well blonde hair and then went to high school in Michigan. So 14 years old, mom packs us all up, engaged to some piece of shit. Marine is like, Hey, we're moving to Michigan. And we're like, all right, cool. So here we go. Ended up in Michigan where there's no sun for like nine months. So hair turns dark, but yes, I used to have the blonde tipped hair. And then at some point I grew it out. It was just odd. Dude, let me show you. This is how I, I did picture not fit in. I don't know why I picture this. Hold on. Let's see if I can do this. Oh, I should have gave you some photos. I, got, I, I had a couple for you. Uh, okay. I'm going to do share. Share screen. And this uh -oh. is how I just, I, I don't know why. I'm probably wrong. Uh, but this is how I picture all kids looking in camp. Can you see? Oh, no. You, you don't have Once you yet. share it, I can see it. Yeah. Okay. So we will go with this skater dude right here. Yeah. That was kind of me. Just not as wide. Oh. I mean, the, the side of my head was shaved, but here we go. There's Jeremy and his boys. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was <laughs> me and my friends. 100% growing up. Not going to lie. I can't deny it. I skated a little bit in high school oh, only because I had some we friends were, who skated. But. I can. Yeah. That's me right there. Yeah, the <laughs> Seriously? Oh yeah. oh yeah. It's not legit me, but that's basically how I dressed. That's awesome. All right. Let me pull this and down. Then, you know, shorts all year round and then get to Michigan and there's none of that. So that was a, a good, different bit of a change yeah yeah so uh california how, what how long were you there were you there all through high school uh no so um again i went through there through middle school and then when I, once i turned 14 my mom my mom moved us to michigan so oh okay high school just outside detroit oh what was that like that was a culture shock you go from southern california to detroit it's a hell of a change you go yeah. from sunny beaches and and on nonstop warm weather to three, four feet of snow and everybody's an asshole. Were you pissed? Were you pissed at your little mom pissed, moved you? Little pissed because you go from, hey, drop your surfboard. We're packing our stuff up. We're going to Michigan in three days. It was Ugh. kind of a last minute change. I lie. It was definitely a, definitely a culture shock, if, if you know what I mean, going from one into the other spectrum. So it was, I didn't know how to act. I didn't know how to, to speak. I didn't know how to carry myself. California, it's kind of relaxed, kind of cool, yeah. kind of hip. And then you get to Detroit and it's, you, you gotta be looking over your shoulder and, oh, I thought you were going to say something that you don't want anybody to hear. I'm like, dude, you're, nope, you're that's you just look around and you just kind of what unsure. That's kind of how it was. Yeah. That's gotta be rough. Uh, cause it's not like you're just changing schools. You're changing. I mean, I've been to Michigan. I don't know much about it. I just know it's cold in the winter and, um, my dad, actually. My dad uh, went to MEPS there. Probably the same place you did, down in Detroit. Yeah. yeah well, it's in Troy, New York. Troy, Michigan. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's in yeah. Troy, yep. Yeah, and there's one in Lansing, too. So, um, What were your motivations? Oh, well, actually, let's talk about high school. How'd you do? High school, I was a B student. Um, I, did, I did my best to try and keep up. I had a twin brother, so <laughs> being through school, it was trying to keep up with with grades and trying to help my brother out and make sure not neither of us failed. Um, we were the kids from California. So everybody, everybody assumed that we were smart, clearly not the case. But once I got to you know, my junior year of high school, senior year of high school, it just, it just came down to, you know, life was easier, you know, um, growing, growing up, I was a band nerd. So I, I played baseball and was in band. Wow. 
Uh, oh yeah, that's right. You play trumpet, right? I play trumpet. I, I do with my daughter as well, still to this day. How does now? I, you know me, I like all the different versions of mental health and and you know, I mean, I was fasting last week. I like to do all these weird things. Um, music, because I play guitar, I find it to be. Uh, I don't know if it's the structure of it or whatever, but it calms me down. Do you still use it as a uh, uh, an avenue for feeling good? So. When I get to see my daughter, uh, whenever I visit, we do play. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Hey, hey, kid, grab your trumpet. Let's go play. And she's still reluctant because she's still learning. But for me, it's a good time. If I'm listening to music, I'm happy. If I can play, even better. Um, I, I enjoy it. It's something I'll print off a sheet of music and learn how to play it and then just, just kind of jam out. It's a good time. That's what my grandfather, um, he uh, played piano just by ear. He just just played piano he never had a lesson and really? my sister my sister plays every single instrument like there's not an instrument she doesn't play i just play one uh only because i don't know i enjoy it but it's not about me it's about you all right so <laughs> uh all right let's then get into my next question is your motivations for joining the marine corps so well actually let's back up what was it like growing up with a twin oh man um growing up it was fun because you got to confuse the living shit out of everybody you had times of like we could play pranks and blame it on each other or just we had times where we'd have the same teacher and they didn't realize there was two of us until one would stand up and one would sit down or one would leave and then we'd turn in two papers and she thought I was trying to either cheat <laughs> or uh, or just kind of manipulate the system and then she realized it was when they see Jay Walton, Jay Walton, it's Jeremy and Josh. That was that was fun. We had a good laugh for a while until the run ended, and then we had a new teacher and start again. <laughs> did you um, ever have any of that? Because you know, I just talked about aliens. So, did you have any of that um, weird uh, ESPN? <laughs> I mean, could you that you, twin you, feeling he, you could feel if they're hurt? Kind ask. of. It's it's weird to explain. Like you, you know, if your brother's hurt, or if he's upset, or if he's feeling something, or if if. God forbid I stub my toe and your brother's like, man, my foot hurts today. It's it's weird. I don't understand how that works. I, it makes sense, right? I mean, because I, I have a friend uh, that was in college with me and her brother, I'm sorry, her sister, her twin sister was in London, England, and she got hit by a car because she did the whole, I look out, you know, you look and, and instead of looking left and right, like whatever, this happens a lot, I guess, and where they drive on the wrong side of the road. Uh, but she got hit, shattered her pelvis. Her sister at she was at school or something i don't know what it was but she had severe abdominal pain went to the emergency room called the mom the mom's like oh, i got two daughters in the emergency room and one's two thousand miles away and she's like what what do you mean she's like your sister just got hit by a car so when i heard that i'm like man that's that's crazy so i actually have a story about that something similar so i am 12 at the time and you're just starting to figure out girls and uh lisa wong i'll never forget this girl Asian girl, really long black hair. She used to live on the corner of the street for where we used to live at. And I'm riding my bike down this hill. And my brother's in the house. And I'm just riding along with a couple friends. And I see this girl. She looks out. Hey, Jeremy. And I am beat red like, oh, she said hi to me. <laughs> and I look over. And then wham, back of a pickup truck. Oh. I come home. My brother's like, man, my chest hurts. I don't know why. And I've, you know, I come back from the hospital. My mom had to take me. I busted a couple of ribs, broke my uh, broken arm. And my brother's like, yeah, my, my chest hurts. I don't know why. And I'm going to come home in a cast. My ribs are all bandaged up. I don't understand how that works, Dude, but yeah, I, I fully believe the brain is, it's almost like a antenna. 
and you 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 can pick up this. <laughs> Got the ESPN. I'm a PA. I'm a man of science. Just let me think things like this, please. <laughs> so it helps me get through the day. But it's like an antenna, and if you tune it right in certain ways, just like you would any antenna, you can pick up different things. And there's no reason at the subatomic level. When you get down to the fact that humans are just, we're just made up of, of molecules. Oh, yeah. Each molecule is made up of an atom. And each of those atoms are made up of subatomic par particles. And those things, like the quarks and the whatever they're called, I don't know. I'm not a subatomic physicist. But they act so weird. We don't even know what they do. So why not? Why not? How and where they connect? People, yeah. yeah. Maybe you're the same person and you're sharing the same. Who knows? I mean, we are twins. So it's kind of close. I yeah. Mean, so, I mean, like you're genetically I, the same, right? So you can go murder someone and... Blame it on you. I mean, we always used to joke, and not, not to take it in a serious and serious note, but could you imagine getting in that trouble and then oh, it was him? Yeah, like that well, would be the best thing ever. Didn't that happen in Judge Dredd? The uh, oh yeah, brother? Rico. Yeah, yeah. Rico killed someone, and he used Judge Dredd's pistol. Yep, that because was, they have the same DNA. That's right. Holy shit! I can't Rico. believe I just pulled that out of my ass. <clears throat> Showing some uh, sign of age there, huh, Kevin? Yeah, that's right. All right, so you ended up joining the Marine Corps. What was that? Were you just like, I don't know. Tell, tell me the whole thought process of so, getting into that. I mean, growing up around San Diego, you, you grew up around Marines. My mom dated Marines. My dad was a Marine. Never knew him, but it was kind of ingrained in my brain. Um, it was either go to college or join the Marine Corps. And I joked for a while that I'm going to join the Army or something different. And I had, you know, my mom kept telling me, join the Marine Corps. You will regret if you don't do anything else. Be the best of the best. That whole jarhead mentality. And um, I finally went down to MEPS as soon as I was done in high school. And two weeks later, my twin brother and I joined boot camp together. It was it was kind of inevitable. Like, I talked through, talked about it throughout high school. I cannot tell you how many times my friends would tell me to shut the fuck up. We know you're joining. And then when we did the graduation, they do the whole award ceremony. Hey, they got grants. They're joining the Marine Corps. You just see everybody rolling their eyes. We know... Yeah. And, and of course you do it with your brother. Uh, yeah. So my twin brother and I joined same time, same platoon. Um, that was fun. Um, Mark Simmons, who's also one of the uh, Marines from the IW family. He, we went to boot camp with him and it was queer. It was weird seeing catching up with him last year at the Wilmington hike, but seeing two of us, you, you have our drill instructors who did not realize that, Oh my God, there's two of you. And it took them a whole month, almost a full month. Because running or us running back and forth through the squad bay, and then you get the drill instructor. Hey, come back, Walton, come back. We look exactly alike, especially at this time. We're much skinnier, clearly. And it wasn't until they get face to face and they see you, they're like yeah. quarter deck now. Like fuck, <laughs> I can't believe they put you guys together like that. Is that typical? Yeah, if you go, if you sign up as twins, usually, typically though, if you especially if you, if you chose the same job you're going to go at the same time. Do you guys have the same job and everything? Uh, no. So my brother, so I went in as uh, originally as motor T and then became a combat engineer. And then my brother chose motor T just straight out the gate. So because I, we stuck with the same job for, at the get go, they put a spook camp. Mm -hmm. Um, he got delayed just cause he got hurt. Um, and then once I got to my unit, um, with your sappers course and became an engineer, it was just, you know, I got to have that whole dual MOS thing, which is very rare. Where, um, where was your first station? My first duty station and only duty station in the Marine Corps was Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, 2nd oh, really? Engineer Battalion. Which is why you're here. And where was your brother's? Uh, he was 2nd AAV Battalion, Amphibious Assault Vehicles. He was out at Cornhouse Bay at Camp Lejeune. Oh, wow. Okay. So you guys, now, he's not here anymore, right? No, he is currently in Michigan still. He went back to Michigan. Yeah, he got, um, he got um, removed from the, or not removed, but he got, he separated from the Marine Corps um, on his his terms, I won't disclose that information. But um, he got he got out of the military and then went back home. He's been home ever since. All right. 
Um, so then you, uh, so you get to your first duty station. How long, what year is this? I guess that's a this big is 2003, This is 2003 and then going into 2004 because um, I finally got to my, my first duty station at 2nd CEB at the beginning of was February, January, February 2004, something like that. Um, you asked me dates. I couldn't tell you. I could do you tell what's, you they got in do you what's weird? I, I, I was at Pope Air Force Base over at Fort Bragg. I'm sorry. And, but <laughs> at the same time, I, I arrived on station February of 20 or of 2004. I think that's when I, oh, wow. some, isn't that crazy? Damn. So we both it's moved in the same area at the same time. Yeah. That's yeah. And to think he never stalked me for it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I only lived here, uh, temporarily cause we were just, our ops tempo was so high. We we're always gone. So when did you, um, first deploy? And I assume at the time it was all Iraq, right? Yep, cause Fallujah, there's no, yep. yeah. And then, um, I got, um, you know, did my, they're like, Hey, who wants to go? And I figured if I'm going to get volunteered, I might as well volunteer. So it looks better on my, on my ass. If I just said, Hey, I'll go, I'll do it. Yeah. And, um, deployed to Fallujah, did part of the, the invasion. Um, so that was oh oh four oh four. I was there, dude. I'm telling you, we probably crossed paths, which is really. I mean, weird. you were in the air. I don't know if I could fly. No, I mean we were flying people in and out. I know we yeah. were flying into uh, TQ, which Alta was Altakatum. Yeah. yeah, so we flew in into Fusion through Altakatum. So yep, and um, that we that's where we did our medevac missions out of. That's yeah. where we did resupply. It's where we did a we swapped out a meth. I mean, it was it was really cool. Um, I really enjoyed. I mean, you know. <laughs> You look back, and we talked about this when we started. You look back on, on things, uh, you know, that sucked, and you know, bringing injured people wasn't the funnest thing. But oh, no. still, I look back on it. And I would freaking, I would go back to in a heartbeat. Yeah. If, if so I had weird. the chance to do it all over again, knowing where it led to, and we all say this, but I, I truly, if if it, knowing that the injuries and the the mental shit that I've been through and the life experiences, I would do it all over again. One hundred percent experience it. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Cause where would, where would you think about that? Take those experiences away. Where would you be? Like I'd be some shithead who works at a desk somewhere <laughs> being I'd, like, I could have joined the military. I'd be that guy stuck at home. I'd be stuck on the couch on a dead end job, probably working at Chili's or something and, and had no life and trying to suffer through school. Yeah. Um, I knew college wasn't for me and the military was the only thing I wanted. I wanted 20 years. I wanted the full service. I wanted to serve my country. And that was my drive was, was, you know, we, nine 11 had happened a couple of years prior and we were still dealing with the effects of that. And then once that kicked up, I'm like, fuck it, here we go. Let's do this. Um, I remember when I, so I was living down in Boston and I was talking to, I don't know, one of my buddies down there and I was like, yeah, I'm going to join the military. And he's like, he's like, why? I was like, I, I don't know. This is boring. I want to go do something, right? This is right before nine 11. And, um, I remember him saying, dude, just, just work at my company or something. You'll make enough money. You can just travel on your own, uh, on your own, whatever accord. Uh, you know, you can have sweet car like my BMW and a, I don't know, flat screen team. I'm like, yeah, I guess. That's I a lot more non-productive yeah. work as I see it. You, personally to me, if I was to go sit in a, in a, in a civilian job and earn all that, yeah, you, you've earned it, but I don't feel like I was productive enough to society or this country. Oh, and you that only was live, my drive. Oh, that's such a shitty thing to say. Not shitty, nerdy thing to say. You only live once, but it's true. I mean, how, how do you go from, man, I, I either I fix trucks or I blew shit up or for those of us who have been through it, pulled the trigger to make sure that we had the safety and the comforts of our home. And, and what I do, I flip burgers, not, not that there's anything wrong with it. Sure. It's all decisions. It's, it's choices. And that yeah. was not for me. And I could not see myself being productive to our society and our country and even a family one day and not do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, did your brother deploy any time that you deployed? Uh, no, he did not. Okay. Uh, was that because, because I know there's like rules and regulations with that, right? You can't put two. So it's, and that's now that's only the case if my twin brother and I were the only kids in the family. So two twins, no other family members, they will not deploy one or the other at the same, at the same time. Um, traditionally, they will deploy one to combat and maybe one to like Korea. Okay. One to Japan, but they won't do it at the same time. Um, it's a very rare thing. It does happen on the random occasion, like a like a, a green zone fob, which will happen, but they will not put both into combat at the same time. Okay. Um, now, were you injured as a Marine? Yeah. So I okay. had my first IED um, November 2004. Um, I was doing a convoy in the pizza slice, and you can't find them all. Um, I was driving LVSs, the old school, you know, 870 gooseneck trailers, hauling a bulldozer to go knock some buildings down. And, um, being with an engineer, being engineers, we either building stuff or knocking shit down or blowing it up. And, um, we're going over the Euphrates bridge. We got on the other side of the Euphrates bridge, just past the mayor's complex going into Fallujah. For those of you who know, um, we come past the checkpoint and an IED goes off right on the other side of the bridge. Um, knock me, knock me complete unconscious. It basically shot me up through the truck, hit my head, knocked me out. Um, you had multiple scars, back of the elbow, hip, top of the knee. Um, I mean, you name it, I got a bunch of scars. Is this the one where you had the piece of metal under your chin yeah. or is that, or is that a different yeah, one? Yeah, it's that one. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember you were trying to describe the truck to me and I was like, I don't, it, it has glass so, on the so bottom yeah, or something. The, so the LVS has a little looking glass in the bottom left corner where your left foot goes mm -hmm. and it shot through the glass and hit me in the bottom of the chin. And you didn't know, right? You I were just, just so my, so I, so my buddy's like, Hey man, um, don't, don't look down. And what is the first thing you do when someone yeah. says, don't do that? Oh, you do you, that. And like, Ow. He gets stabbed. <laughs> like what the hell's going on? Don't move. Okay. I'm looking around and he's like, dude, you're bleeding. Okay. Now I know not to move. <laughs> uh, so what now I, I'm, I know there's like a lot of different angles here because I also want to know about the uh, the weird thing that happened to your your back and all that or uh, the infection. But let's before we get there. So do they medevac you out or do you stay um, in so country? No, they sent me to um, the mech, uh, which was just starting up um, or not the mech. They sent me to um, TQ. The second time was the mech. That's 2005. Um, they sent me to TQ, bandaged me up. I was there for about a month and they sent me back. We um, They started establishing bases just outside Bar where's Barria known as Barria. They started um, a place like Hotel California. They started really establishing bases after the full invasion. And I continued to press on afterwards. And it was, it was, I, I didn't want to go home because it was, it, they were, they weren't, they were almost superficial. They weren't something that would send me home. Yeah. Um, there was no need for me to go back if I could just take a month and, and, and recover. Yeah. It was just some scars. Obviously, I didn't go out and I went on a couple of patrols. Nothing, nothing crazy after that. After that, it was just milk runs and transporting equipment, and that that was basically it. Did that did that qualify you for Purple Heart? No, I actually <laughs> because I didn't lose a limb. Um, I had no, I do not have a Purple Heart. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a weird I had, thing. I, I have a I good had friend, that lieutenant, that was like that. He's like, it, if you didn't lose a limb, oh, he's not put you in. Yeah, it's so weird. Like the Purple Heart's a weird thing because. Uh, I have a, a buddy who's a PJ and he was on a, a mission and there, I don't remember what happened to his helicopter, but it crashed on the mountaintop in Afghanistan and he was dead. He was dead. Uh, but these, they, he was with the PJ crew and these guys are the best. I freaking love PJs. Um, so they kept him alive and it took like a week. I mean, they had to walk this guy wow. down the mountain. It's a harrowing story, but he survived. He's got TBI and, and all that. I mean, he was done as a PJ after that. Um, but I mean, when you hear his story, no, 
that doesn't even qualify for a purple heart. It's no, like that's insane. It's weird the parameters on top of that. If they don't, if if you have a command, sometimes that feels that you don't have the required enough injuries. Even if you got a piece of shrapnel in the leg that doesn't require major surgery um, or hacking something off, they don't. Some just don't feel that way. I have a buddy. This will make you mad. I have a buddy who's a, a B fifty two navy or weapon system, whatever the hell they're called. I'm looking at you, David. Um, he he got hit with a mortar or something on the airbase. I don't know what's some, wherever the B-52s hang out. And he said he got a scratch across the bottom of his chin and his, his his commander put him in for a purple heart. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes you get, you'll get that injury. You're like, really? Yeah. yeah. Come on, dude. I think because it's, it's rare for flyers to get it just because they can't really. Well, that makes sense because you got someone who's, well, I mean, so if you're doing your ground combat missions and you're, you're bringing casualties and stuff on, I mean, sometimes you fly under combat and I get that, but yeah. I mean, I, to a degree, I understand that. Yeah. I, I just think they were trying to make him a poster boy. Cause, uh, oh yeah. Sometimes if you look the part, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. it's kind of a funny deal. So, um, so you stayed there, you head back now. What, what happened in 2005? So 2005, um, I end up, no, this is end of, two, end of, yeah, it's 2005. I end up paralyzed, um, with a, um, a crazy weird virus. You've heard of Bell's palsy. Wait, was this deployed? This was after I came home. Okay. And so, oh, let's back up real quick. So, so you deploy in 04, you come home. home. Uh, how long was your respite six, for? Um, so, so six months, five months, six months. Okay. And then you head back out. And then I, I'm getting ready to head back out and starting the training at the beginning of 2005. And I end up with this weird virus called Ramsey Hunt syndrome. Um, it causes, it starts like basically Bell's palsy, but um, on steroids. And it deadens the side of the nerves, but instead of just the face, it was the whole right side of my body. And and I have a couple of guys who are who who've seen the podcast that they were they came and come and see me in the hospital. And um, basically, I don't have so I have to force it. I, I don't have a full smile. It's just it's something I have to like concentrate on, and it's something I don't. So that's so wait, you got so you just woke up with it, or so it's weird. So my twin brother can even vouch for this too. He was on there. Um, he comes over one day. He's driving his duty vehicle as a Humvee. He's like, hey, man, you all right? And I wake up, and on my face, I can't talk. And I, I just, in a ton of pain. And he's like, bro, wake up. Because we were supposed to go to lunch, I think, something that day. And um, and I can't feel a thing. My, my face is just completely drooped down. My eye is not blinking. My mouth is dry. Yeah, see, the first thing I would think of is Bell's palsy as a, as a medical person. But that doesn't. That doesn't knock out your limbs. So it's based off the herpes zoster virus, which yeah. is basically... Um, you got herpes. It's a, uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a scab in the ear, it deadened the nerves, and it just shot through my whole body. Wow. Um, so I was out for about three months. Um, That's insane. I had to get back to walking, get back to training. I was able to do a PFT, able to qualify with on the range just to make sure that I could physically do my job. And then I deployed again September 11, 2005. Okay. So it was before the one. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was training going back to Iraq. Dude, that's insane. So uh-huh. went back to Fallujah again in September two of, of 05, um, where I had another IED in December of 2005. In Kuwait, right? And no, this is in Fallujah again. Okay. So uh, this was shortly after. So December 14th, is, uh, as some of you guys who know me, is uh, is why I wear my bracelet. My buddy, um, Michael, uh, Brandon Michael Presley, um, he was over on a convoy and hit a daisy. He hit, he hit a, v, a V-bid and there was a daisy chain and that um, killed him um, instantly. He was a gunner, a piece of shrapnel went through his spine. Um, he was as close to me as my own twin brother. Um, we had been through a lot of bullshit. He and I were kind of like the black sheep of our unit mm-hmm. of second of second CEB, and it turned into just this great bond between us and those of us who who serve with him. Um, 
the, the last thing I remember is, you know, waving, waving by to make sure that we'd be okay. And then the last thing I see is a, as a pile of dust. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was not so much, um, exterior damage. That was when I had officially like severe back issues, severe head injuries, TBI. That's when my, I started having neck issues, um, bulging discs, herniated discs in my lower back, hip problems. And that's when I would come back. I get, they sent me to Fallujah Surgical, which is on the mech in Camp Fallujah. Um, I spent about three weeks there, came back to duty, um, and just didn't really go on much patrols. I did a lot of convoys, but didn't really do much after that. Did did they, well, I don't know overseas if they do this, but they did they give you the typical, um, oh, you're having sleeping problems, take this. Oh, yeah, you're in pain, take this. Take, and then yes, like, it was Motrin. <laughs> okay, 800 milligrams. So yeah, it was Motrin it was water. drink water and hydrate. And they did have a physical therapy unit there just to make sure I could walk and carry the gear because as an engineer and even driving trucks, you got to be able to carry that equipment. Um, God forbid something happens. You need to be able to carry that stuff to either repair something, put something away, lift it, whatever. You got to be able to carry the guy next to you. And, um, they put me back on convoys. I had a couple of moments where, and I'll, I'll never forget this one. We're coming from the city of karma back to, um, camp, uh, camp Fallujah, which is the mech. Mm -hmm. And there's a small bridge that goes over, um, or just past the city of karma and the Iraqis throughout the day. Apparently, none of the patrols of other Marines or anybody else, Iraqis, had gone through that that location, and they had built a little um, sand berm, like a little, like a small sand berm, about three feet high. Mm-hmm. At N- NVGs, you don't have no depth perception, so right. that doesn't come up as anything. It just comes up as flat ground. Mm-hmm. So I have NVGs on, swerving through serpentine with this bulldozer on the back, and my A driver, Sergeant, oh god, what's uh, Sergeant Diggs. Oh, I'll never forget this guy. He's in the passenger seat. I kept telling him to put his seatbelt on because in case of anything happens, if this truck rolls, you want to you want to be secure. Mm-hmm. And we keep going. We get to the bridge, and all of a sudden, I just feel this heavy jar, and the truck just turns almost on its side and comes slamming back down. I look over and I see him just. Oh, he wasn't strapped in. Wasn't strapped. In. He's <laughs> flying. He's up in the center cab. I hit my head, knocks me out, and the truck just comes to a stop, hits the bridge, and it was just. Moments of like, what the fuck? Like, seriously? Like, they could have shot at us. They built a dirt berm to make sure I didn't drive. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, it's a, it's after nine. Holy shit. Uh, all right. Let's, we still got a lot to cover. It's all right. Um, so, obviously, you're not meant to, nobody's meant to be a Marine forever. Uh, you get out. What next? Like, what, what do you do? Like, what? So, I got out and so I had just gotten married. Just had my daughter, and at that point in time, we were starting to figure out that I was not suited to be a civilian. My now ex-wife is like, you're a shitty shitty civilian. You need to get back in. I was working for Cold Stone Creamery making ice cream one day. Oh, really? Oh, God. Right outside campus. Oh, so, there. dude, that's oh. like that's exactly what we talk about, right? So here you are. You're, you're outside of Camp Lejeune. You're working for Cold Stone. You were in Fallujah recently, and now, like, how and do you deal with that? It's Okay, so I dealt with it, and that's going right into it is I know I have PTSD, I know I have issues, and I had this young lieutenant, Marine lieutenant, come in one day, and my now ex-wife was my manager at the time. We <laughs> both worked the same place. We needed a job. Yeah. And we're working, and this Marine lieutenant was, he changed his order, I think, four or five times on me, and I got pissed. Yeah. Because you were wasting products at that point. Sure. So I hopped over the counter with an ice cream scoop full of ice cream and started shoving it down his throat. It took him and three other people to pull me off. I got arrested, spent three days in jail. <sighs> 
man. Got sent to the uh, like that whole t- that thing. I never thought would ever happen is sit in front of the judges. Either you go to jail for assault, or we drop the charges and you go back in the military. I'm like, well, fuck it, go back in the military. So I tried to get back in the Marine Corps, and at the time, 2007, 2000, going to 2008 now. Breck. They yeah, they just don't want Marines that have any kind of issues. Or that don't stay in the reenlistment is almost impossible. Plus, they were drawing down the, the they forces. Really were. They were firing uh, second lieutenants out of the Air Force. Oh, These guys were coming in, commissioning, damn. working for six months, and they're like, "Nice, Gone. thanks for playing." Damn. Yeah. So I, I went back. This Marine Gunny, fat Marine Gunny, go figure. Um, pissed me off. I was like, "Fuck you! I'm going down to the I'm going down to the Army's office to see what they offer." Man, how soon can you get me in? I can never remember the guy's name because I saw him twice. Yeah. Um, the day I signed all the paperwork and the day I went to MEPS. And they got me 40 grand cash, choice of duty station, and, and choice of and one rank up. And I was supposed, they fucked up my duty station. I was supposed to go to Fort Benning and ended up at Fort Drum at 7th Engineers. Up in New York. Up at 10th Mountain Division. Yeah. <laughs> go nice. figure. Nice. Did you ever get to serve with the 10th Mountain? Or? Yeah. So I well, so 7th Engineers served on the 10th Mountain. They had just stood them back up in 2008. Um, 10th Mountain wasn't around for a while. Yeah. So we ended up in Kuwait. Um, hit I hit one random small IED, and then that ended my career. Which it's crazy to think about because it's Kuwait. They used to not let us arm our aircraft, meaning our defensive systems, in Kuwait because it would have upset the local magistrate or whatever. Um, but that's insane. Like, how? Who? It's, where was it? What? It was just outside of Kuwait City. <laughs> We're leaving the city on a milk run. Someone just decided to hit, hit a U.S. Convoy. I was driving ahead. Was dr- I was driving big crates of ammo and big crates of food out, and I'm leaving the city, and all of a sudden I just feel this jar, and then I'm kind of dizzy and hazy, but then my 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 back started to go numb. I, 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 the the head's a big old fucking truck. It's a it's got what 18 tires in the back for the trailer and everything. Some things massive. Yeah. But when it's hit hard enough, it can jar you pretty hard. And after that, it was just nonstop back pain. Um, I didn't get medevaced. I stayed, I stayed in country. Um, but once my tour, once I got home, it was just, my back was so bad. I had trouble walking and it put me in a wheelchair for a while. Um, my back was pretty messed up for a while. I gotta, I gotta get you in touch with my, my brain doctor, Dr. Gordon. Are you watching Dr. Gordon? Help this guy out. <laughs> um, so, okay. So now you're back. You're a civilian again. Um, <sighs> What do you do? Like, what's, what's so your was, first? My, so my first thought was, I'm home. Um, my marriage had failed, um, and I'm not going to get into that. But marriage failed. Lost my career. I lost my best friend. My cousin died in Afghanistan prior to me getting out. Um, I was medically retired. I lost everything. I lost. I had no purpose, no way to go. And I got to a point to where I was ready to end it. And I tried a few times. Thankfully, I failed. Um, and I ended up at a part of a, a disabled sports program up in New York called Stride Adaptive Sports. And they got me into the program to start physically getting back to walking mm-hmm. along with being in the VA. And then they got me my service dog. For those of you who have met my dog, Alana, um, this dog saved my life. You know, you have that purpose of having a kid, but when she's with her mom and you're trying to figure out your own life, I had nothing. Wow. So I got my service dog and that dog gave me a whole new purpose along with being a part of the organization. I started teaching snowboarding cause that's what I love to do. And that kind of got me into the whole organization volunteering, um, with other veterans and gotta, that kind of pushed me forward to being where I am today. I got to get you on the one wheel. I think you would like it. I, I'm going to have to try it. It's pre- I mean, it's, it's almost killed me a few times, but, uh, <laughs> it's pretty sweet. It's just like, um, snowboarding. Have you been able to snowboard over all this bullshit that we've been going through? No, the, the mountains have been closed every, every end of the year, March, I end up in Aspen 
with the VA. I go as a participant, but when they need an instructor, I help teach. Okay. Um, and then on my off time, I'll go up to Jiminy Peak up in Massachusetts, a part of that program, and I'll teach every now and then. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, when did you discover the Irreverent Warriors? I figured, so that's 2016 was my first hike, Raleigh. Um, she's not here, not watching, but Gina Simonello, J, we everybody knows her as JC. I met her. I don't even know how I met her. So one day she said, hey, come join a fucking hike. And I said, sure. And then I didn't. Sh- almost didn't show up. It took her dragging me out of, almost dragging me out of my house to get me to the hike. And that was at um, the Brick House downtown Raleigh. And I started off, and some of you guys know who, my, my story from that, two years ago prior when, when you, re- you recorded it, mm-hmm. I started off at my hikes with Raleigh, and I, I had no direction, just figured, well, it's a bunch of us getting stupid, let's all just go on a hike and, and just bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that was my, my selling point, was getting back to the camaraderie, getting back to um, being a part of something that you, you really missed. And it's not so much being the military, it's being around like-minded people. And my like-minded people is y'all, military, those who are around us. Yeah. And I took a break for a while because I was still trying to figure my life out. Um, fast forward to 2018, I started hikes back up, and then I started, um, I, I met Russell. I met other people in the organization, kind of stayed in contact. And they're like, hey, man, we're starting Raleigh up again. Do you want to do this? And it, I started my first hike in Raleigh. Not, I don't even think I finished. Um, I was in so much pain and just so defeated that I almost think I, com- I contemplated suicide after that. But it was JC and a couple others continuously saying, hey, you know, stick with it. It's it's going to be okay. Yeah. And then fa- again, fast forward to picking up hikes 2018 is when I'm now leading hikes. Um, or, well, being in front of hikes where we have co-leads. Um, being, you know, out front, able to finish these hikes now instead of not knowing if I'm going to make it to the end. And that's, that was a day to day thought is, am I going to make it to the end of the day? If I can make it to the end of this hike, I can make it to the end of the day. And that was my concern. Once I finished the hike, I knew life was going to be great because no matter how busted physically or mentally I was, don't cry, Jeremy. I'm getting emotional here. Um, it, it was that drive to be something better, something more. And that's what got me through the years, even till now. So if someone's watching and they're like, I've never been on a hike. I've never done anything like that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I hate being, I mean, convince someone to go on a Silky's hike. If you're looking to get out, if you're looking for a little bit of freedom from your mind, from your body, from your couch, from your house, there's no better way to do it than with the Reverend Warriors. If you can't do it with us, we'll make you do it. Because if not, what are we for? If we can't be there for each other to pick each other up, guide us through the hard days, then we're not doing our job. So it's to get to a hike, feel that love, that family, that direction, that purpose of ending the statistic. We have those days where we feel so down and out. And the last thing we want is you to be part of it or me to be part of it. Don't be a part of statistic. The best way to do it is get to a hike, reach out. And that's what I did. I reached out and I finally found my purpose. I found my direction. Cool. Um, yeah, I guess that's it, man. We'll hang up with you and, uh, we'll get, actually, you don't, you don't have a microphone over here anymore. So just stay over there. Oh, I'll stay right here. <laughs> yeah, man. Another cool guest. What did you think, Jeremy? You didn't ask anything during it. Sorry. I should have asked you. Oh man. I should ask myself a question. So, uh, 
what do I do with this twisted iced tea next? Well, it's like you got the, you're holding on to the microphone. It's like a, a bland background. You, this looks like a terrorist, like hostage video. <laughs> like you're, you're giving a proof Mom, of life. Dad, I love proof it. of life statement. It's going to be okay. No, it was, it was good. It was good. Um, so yeah, uh, call, text, do whatever. Send me an email, Kevin at 21gun.net. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to reach out. We're here to connect. Uh, we pull people out of isolation. We prevent. That is the key. We're not a suicide awareness. We are a prevention organization. And the only way to do that is to participate. Uh, head over, buy some t-shirts, call your friends. I can't think of anything else. What, do you, what else do you got? Um, for those of you who are around and are in the Raleigh area, tomorrow night we are getting together at Dave & Buster's 6 o'clock. So this is that reaching out. I'm reaching out to all of you who are watching and those who will watch afterwards. Go. Get out. Come have some fun. Play some games. Um, just enjoy the camaraderie. That's what we are. Awesome. Set the place.